It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Quickly to Wall. Wall measures. Deal. Gets open for three. What's going on, Wizards fans? I am Arthur Reynolds, and I am your host for tonight's episode of the Locked On Wizards. Tonight, I will be talking about briefly. Uh, First of all, congratulating Noah for a job well done hosting this podcast basically by himself for the latter part of the season, including the playoff run. I'll also be getting into what's at stake for the future of the Wizards, especially watching the Celtics and the Sixers that just wrapped up and then seeing game one against the Cavaliers, what the Celtics were able to do. And Noah is actually going to have a really awesome second part interview with Ben Standig that is going to air right after my segment. So let's get right into it. Uh, First of all, I would like to really thank Noah, uh, our host of the Locked On Wizards podcast, for doing a great job hosting, for doing a great job putting together subjects, for, for doing just everything by himself. He handled it very, very well, and I'm extremely thankful for him because we started off together, but I had some things come up, and he took over, and, I mean, he did a perfect job. Like, I can't believe one person was able to do that by himself. So thank you, Noah. Um, As announced earlier, I think it was last week, uh, we have a new team, including myself, Becca and Ian Evans that will be taking over the podcast and we're very excited for that. Becca is, you know, big time. She shows up on NBC Washington's game time right before the Wizards games and Ian is a super fan that every time I'm on Twitter I see him, you know, breaking down some plays, breaking down some players. So I think we assembled a pretty good team and we look forward to bringing you a ton of content during the off season, which is a v- pretty important one, uh, which segues perfectly into my depressing subject of where the Boston Celtics are and where we are uh, with the fr- with the second round matchup of Boston versus Philly. You kind of got a taste of what the future of the Eastern Conference is looking like with Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid for the Sixers and. You know, just a ton of weapons for the for the Celtics. If we're looking at just youth, we're looking at Jason Tatum, Terry Rozier, and there's definitely someone that is. Oh, Jalen Brown! My God, like that's 
that's a big three right off the bat, and all those players are under 24 years old. If I'm not mistaken, I believe Tatum just turned 20. Rozier is the oldest one of the three, and Jalen Brown, I believe, is uh, 21. But, yeah, it's just a very, very sad time right now considering where the Wizards are with their cap space and their roster. My gut tells me that we're going to see the same Wizards team next season, which would be a very depressing and just further continuing this trend that the Wizards are on where, you know, Wall and Beal have to play 40-minute games in the regular season and then come playoff time, their legs are shot and, you know, they have to play 45 minutes in the playoffs, just sit out three minutes, play entire halves. Whereas the Celtics just beat, throttled the Cleveland Cavaliers and LeBron James without two... Honestly, there's a third piece that's not playing that's actually pretty good too, the big man. I forgot his name. I think it starts with a T, but I don't remember off the bat. But led by Al Horford, who, I mean... What would, where would the Wizards be at right now if Al Horford had chosen the Wizards over the Celtics? I Again, this is a very depressing start to uh, an episode of Locked on Wizards, but it's just reality, and it's just what happens when you let Ernie Grunfeld in charge and not really live up to any expectation. I mean, what what is what is the expectation? Like, is it just to make the playoffs? Is it to win to be above 500 like are these still our goals and it really feels that way because falling short of those goals when it's pretty evident i mean you'd have to be honestly ted owns this to look at how the wizards closed out this playoff run after two impressive home wins to tie up against toronto to just they were downhill afterwards and it it could be a credit to the Raptors who were the one seed but honestly the Raptors were so beatable and we're definitely not the Cavaliers we have no one compared to LeBron on our team but the Raptors were definitely fragile like they could be broken down and I feel like this was a very it was a blown opportunity for this organization to really take a step forward and to make an appearance in the Eastern Conference Finals, which right now the city is high because the Capitals are in a 2-0 commanding lead over the best team in hockey, quotation marks, 2-0 after beating Tampa Bay in Tampa Bay twice and not even close games. Like, I think... The combined scores are like 10 to 4 or something, but they've been blowouts. So can you imagine if the Wizards would have just taken care of the Ernie situation, the roster situation, what could be going on in D.C. right now? We could have two teams in the Eastern Conference Finals, and more than likely they'd be matching up on the same nights to play. Obviously, like it it probably wouldn't work out because both teams would start on the road. So there'll probably be some scheduling conflict there, but it's just very depressing. I watched a lot of the Celtics Sixers series. First of all, those of you that were clamoring for us to face 
the 76ers or the Boston Celtics were out of their minds because even though the Sixers were clearly inexperienced, they have players and those players would have abused some of the Wizards had they played, had they played, like defensively and effort-wise. Ben Simmons, you know, gets to the basket, even with Brad Stevens, who's a great of a coach as he is, coming up with a scheme to make Ben Simmons an outside shooter. He still got in the paint and was able to finish and, you know, put up some points. But aside from that, his playmaking ability, his defense, his rebounding, Ben Simmons would have been a problem for this team. And I don't think anybody, not even John Wall, would have been able to match up with him. And then you have Joel Embiid, who, I mean, I'm kind of very happy that we never saw the Sixers in the playoffs because watching Embiid just dunk and go off and be explosive compared to Mahimi and Gortat would have just... It would have just ended my Wizards fandom because that's that's just it would have been tough to watch. I mean, considering Joel Embiid is you know on a rookie contract, he's had a bunch of injuries, but he's still like out hooping and out athleticism. Mean if that's a word, our starting centers that make close to forty million that would have just driven me insane. So I'm very happy that we got the Raptors. Um, because we showed that we can contend, but our shortcomings are due to our front office. And a part of it, coaching as well. But I, I would rank it uh, front office, the players, and then coaching. Front office mainly because it's we're about to enter now, now that we're in the offseason. We've just wrapped up year eight as with Wall as a, as a wizard. And we still don't have a legitimate backup for him. Two consecutive, actually three consecutive playoff runs where we sign someone off the streets and they play significant minutes in the playoffs. And that that doesn't get you anywhere. That shows terrible management, you know, which doesn't surprise any of us except, you know, our owner seems to be okay with it. And we don't have a backup shooting guard. You know, Jody Meeks, for whatever he got suspended for, wouldn't have made a difference. And... You know, Otto Porter's injury forced Kelly Oubre, who, you know, towards the end of the year was definitely trending downward. And that was kind of that was kind of a sign of things to come, because if Kelly Oubre would have been, you know, the Kelly Oubre from the beginning of the year, we might have had a chance to do something else to do a little maybe win one more game. But once Porter went down, that was basically curtains for the Wizards season. And, you know, Markeith Morris, like. I I don't know. I watching it's only one game, but watching the Celtics Cavaliers, I think I'd rather have Marcus just cuz he looks like he's useful on defense and Markeith is just so slow and sluggish. But here we are and then we get to the center position and we don't need to talk about that cuz I feel like I always trash Gortat every time I can, but you know, it is what it is and if you have a player that, you know, early in the season talks about retirement, what type of effort are you get, Are you really going to get from him? Like, it's it's a mess. You know, once we kept Gortat past the trade deadline, it was not going to be a good thing. Him and Wall's relationship is clearly damaged, and Gortat just takes it as a joke. Like, there was a game post-game where he was like, oh, yeah, John's, like, spoon-feeding spoon me, and then, like, laughed, and that's what initially got this fight started so it's it's a damaged relationship and i hope we take care of it as soon as we can 
But there's definitely some good things to look forward to. Uh, I believe Noah and Ben are going to be breaking down the draft, which will be extremely nice to have a first-round pick so far. I mean, you never know what's going to happen. But one last thing about the Celtics and Sixers, and then we're going to switch it over to Noah and Ben Standig to close out this episode. If I'm the Celtics and I am three games away from the NBA Finals with Gordon Hayward and Kyrie Irving playing zero minutes in the playoffs, I would honestly, and as explosive as Terry Rozier has been playing, I would honestly try and pursue a trade for Kyrie to San Antonio for Kawhi Leonard. And then once you get Kawhi Leonard, you get that championship defensive anchor MVP on your team, and the Celtics are set for the next five to seven years. I mean, that that's just how big of an impact I feel like Kyle, uh, Kawhi Leonard would have. Him, Jason Tatum, Terry Rozier, Al Horford, Marcus Morris, and then you know Marcus Smart, if he stays around, I, I doubt he will with the contract he's probably going to get. That will be what reigns in the east after lebron leaves if he leaves but that's all for me uh we're gonna take a little break here and then you will hear noah and ben standig do their thing after this little break the nba playoffs are right around the corner and locked on nba is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama every monday jackson gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league helping to break down the nba playoffs Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, this is Noah Getzel, your former Locked On Wizards host. This is now part two of my interview with Ben Standig from the Sports Capital. We're talking about free agency and the Wizards. Hope you guys enjoy and thanks for joining us on the Locked On Wizards podcast. I'm just going to name some names of guys who aren't big names, but they're free agents, younger players. I think they could help out the team. I'm going to name a few big men and a few wings. Let me know your thoughts. Basically, you can just say yay or nay and maybe like a word or two of comment on whether you think these guys can be good fits. And before we get into those young guys, I've just got to ask, this dude played for another eight seed on the Western Conference. Do you feel like there would be any value... As you mentioned, like the the need for veterans, do you think a guy who's 38 years old named Jamal Crawford could help the Wizards at all next season, or his would he be a waste of money? I, I think that's the wrong way to go. I mean, <laughs> he, he, he's a highly inefficient player. I mean, yes, he, he can in theory score off the bench. I, I, I suspect his, I think he's more reputation than reality at this point, and I, the Wizards have shown interest in him. I know they did last year, maybe it was last two. Um, to me, I can see them making that kind of move, but I think that would be the wrong kind of move. But a guy like Tyreek Evans, who's about to be a free agent, you talked about him a lot around the trade deadline. Do you feel like he might be still a good addition to have a guy who can play shooting guard on small forward? He's 28 years old now for the Grizzlies. Well, you know, in a vacuum, if I, without knowing what other options are available, you know, he's certainly interesting. I mean, he can get his own shot. He, you know, he would be the kind of guy for me you, you, you have Anchor, the second unit, so you know he, he's, he can be a little too one-on-one, kind of ball-dominant you know, at times. 
but on the second unit, the you know, the, especially the one that the Wizards have that sort of struggles for offense, maybe you can get away with that. Is he on the court for me in the last five minutes of a big game? I don't know if I like that. So I, if I look at it from that perspective, I don't love it over the course of 82 games to get me in position. And it may not be a bad way to go, but again, it's all relative to what else I can get. And uh, so there's some potential value, but I don't, I don't know how much I trust Tyreek Evans mm-hmm. in the last, you know, in the fourth quarter of a, of a big playoff game. So two of the biggest wizard, the Wizards' biggest holes are not having, you know, the defensive tenacity they need, and then not having a backup shooting guard totally plague them this year. When you look at the Celtics right now, I I don't know if they're gonna, you know, make a big money deal to resign Marcus Smart, but would he be a, a type of guy who you would want to see as the sixth man for the Wizards? It's interesting, right? Because on the one hand, he, he's another guy that's like rather erratic, and you don't always quite know what you're gonna get from him, but. He's a big guard. He defends. He's he's tough-minded. Not a great scorer, but he somehow figures out ways to make plays. Mm-hmm. You could kind of play him, I think. Well, you could certainly. I, I guess I'd have to look it up. What what did he shoot from three this year? I think if it was mid thirties around that area. So not. Yeah, great. if he's going to be your third guard, I mean, I suspect Marcus Smart is the kind of guy who thinks. I, I want to start, so I don't know if he's coming here to be the third guard. But um, if, if he was, then the question is, can you play him w- w- with John Wall? That I don't know about it. I mean, John Wall shot a reasonable percentage from three this year, but obviously we don't view him as a great three-point shooter. I mean, Marcus Smart actually shot like 30% from three, so I, I'll rescind it, I guess. I, I, I can't see it just based on what he – based on that. I mean, he's an interesting player. He does check some boxes. But if he's my third guard, he has to play with John Wall, and if he's shooting like that, he can't. Yeah. Um, all right. Some other some other names throughout you uh, coming off the bench uh, in like a shooting guard role. What do you think of Nick Stauskas from the Nets? He he's kind of bounced around with the the Kings and the Nets, and I don't think he'll be commanding too much money. Do you do you think he might be a nice addition? Um, you know, on a very basic level, it seems interesting, right? I mean, he's got some. He's got some decent size. He's known to be a three-point shooter. He shot, what, like uh, 40% uh, from from three this year. But at the same point, you know, what is he, four years in, he really hasn't proven himself to be a uh, a rotation player yet. So, you know, I I think if he's at the right price, maybe I would consider it. Um, I mean, they do need more shooting. But, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong for saying this. I don't know if he's like a massive upgrade over Jody Meeks, other yeah. than the fact that he's young, so there's still hope. Whereas Jody Meeks, we kind of know where he's at. Of course, I know Jody Meeks is out the first 19 games. I'm just, I just always look at these things. I just jump ahead to the playoffs for sure. Um, yeah, because uh, you know, play. He appeared in just 35 games this year, 13 or 14 minutes a game, scored five points a game, and as we mentioned, he shot 40, percent which is nice. But you know, it's you don't know where his ceiling is i guess he's he's been in the league what he's 26 right now 24 only but yeah it's it wouldn't be moving the needle too much as you mentioned and none of these guys who i'm talking about for a potential free agency signing are um do you feel the same way about doug mcdermott from the mavs uh no well, I, I always liked doug mcdermott now maybe it's because i'm a big east guy and and he, he's his last year at creighton was 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 uh, in the Big East, and you know I got to watch him there, so I've always sort of paid attention to him. And you know he's a pretty you know pretty interesting you know what six six nine six ten six, four eight, yeah. great, great range. Um, 
Uh, you know, look, I guess you do have to sort of wonder why has he been bouncing around so much? Or, or is he just always the, the ideal trade bait? Or is it just sort of the teams that have more, like, ah, uh, doesn't quite do enough for us, so, so let's not... Uh, Let's not stay with him. But look, he does shoot a high percentage from three. If they lose Mike Scott, and you tell me you're filling it in with Doug McDermott. You know that that that's not a that, that, that's not potentially a bad thing. I, I've been you know like we're saying that's something on more on the margins and, and getting getting you over the top. He's not great athletically, defensively. So you know that that wouldn't help a ton. He's a more of a uh, spot up guy. He needs some help getting his own shot. But I I, I like Doug McDermott in general. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you know, if you tell me that they get him on the cheap, then yeah, I, don't, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't cringe. Yeah, maybe defensive liability to to some extent. Um, here are two guys who are veterans who could also play like those small forward wing type roles. Uh, currently in the playoffs right now, they have a lot of winning experience. Do you have any desire to go out and recruit these two free agents when they become available? Jeff Green for the Cavs, um, six foot nine, thirty one years old, or Gerald Green. For uh, Houston, six seven thirty-two. I'm almost always. I'm almost surprised Jeff Green has never been on the Wizards. <laughs> um, look, I mean Jeff Green. You know, I, I you know I, I covered Georgetown, and I certainly would pay attention to that program my whole life. Um, Jeff Green has had a wild career. You know, came in as a top five pick. He's had, some nights you law I can play. And you think this dude is a perennial All Star, and other times you're like, wait. I know Jeff Green technically played, but was he actually on the court? I didn't even notice him, and you know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, maybe he's the kind of guy that playing with John Wall, just the way he, you know, playing with LeBron this year at times, he's looked really good. But I, I wouldn't trust Jeff Green to be honest. Gerald Green, sort of the same thing. I mean, he's just sort of, um, you, you know, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't. I, that to me is sort of the way it was with Houston, like. Hey, we got an injury, or we just realized we're this we're, we're short. We'll go for that guy. He's not somebody where I'm I'm making a plan on. I mean, look, here's the reality, you know, and like you, all the players you're naming, it's not like it's all they're all bad, but like they don't have much room to work with. So that's the thing that you're right. kind of dealing with. You can get of, one uh, of them, not you know, like three of them to add to your bench or anything like that. <laughs> right, and like I said, if the Wizards essentially keep their basic team, mm-hmm. um, they need. A uh, power forward, whether that's Mike Scott bringing him back or somebody else, uh, they need another guard because Jody Meeks is out for uh, you know at least the first you know quarter of the season, and you yeah. know he wasn't that great a- anyway. And you know they need an, an athletic five to go with Gortat Mahimi. I-, I think the thing, I think the position that the Wizards are in is with Wall, Beal, and Porter. Assuming that they can't trade any of them or decide they don't want to. That, that's good enough, like I said, to be interesting. It's not probably good enough to topple somebody. I think they need to go out and get a fourth guy. I'm not saying it has to be an all-star, but mm-hmm. somebody who's who's formidable on their own. And the way to maybe have to do that is, I know this will break the hearts of some fans, you may have to consider packaging Ubre with either Gortat or Mahimi. And, you because know, they have a big decision on Ubre. After, right. They have to decide after the season, are they going to extend him or not? If you're going to extend him, he's going to want you know, some money. <laughs> Yeah, I mean they're already paying a lot of money to their other guys, and look, the reality is, I don't know if they, I don't know how you can totally trust him at this point. Yeah. Uh, based on you know what he does, he does some good things. We know that he's always hustling. He's always brings energy, but you know the instincts are still pretty raw. The shot, you know, fell off. Yeah. Yeah. So, so to me, but he's interesting enough. Maybe there's a team out there who would want him, and you know, Gortat Mahimi would would allow you from a salary, uh, from a trade standpoint, to bring back some money. 
So that, to me, might be the most interesting scenario or the one where if you're saying what's the best thing they can do to bring in some legitimate help, I, I would probably say that. Uh, again, I'm not saying mm-hmm. I'm not saying I'm at saying you should trade Ubre. I'm saying if the goal is to bring in a really interesting piece, I think that may be your best hope. You have the first-round pick that will offset the loss of a young guy. You yeah. don't want to trade for a Bogdanovich where it's like a you know one-year deal. You want to trade – if you're going to do this – you trade for somebody like you did with like you did with Morris, where they're under contract for a few years. That would be maybe the, the the best move, and then you have to look for your Mike Scott type Mike Scott type level free agents, and and hope that you uh, you hit on those. That's a that's a very good perspective. You keep your your draft pick because you kind of know what you have right now with Ubre, who he'll improve, but at the same time we've we've kind of seen these flaws, and it's a good time to sell high on him, no doubt. So thanks so much for. Your analysis of, of of those wing guys and guards. I was gonna ask about two other big men, Nerlens Noel and Julius Randle, but you kind of hit the nail on the head that basically the the people I've mentioned they don't really move the needle too much. I mean, you, Rand- you don't Randall know. would be fascinating. I just yeah. don't I mean I, he's a free he's a free agent, right? I, yeah. So I, I don't know how much I, money I he's about to command. They can afford whatever he's gonna be. And Nerlens Noel, boy, what a disappointing <laughs> career for him. Um, you know. Only way, only well, Nerlens Noel would work. You'd have to trade Gortat or Mahimi just to open up some space, which the Mavericks and, could be fine with. Say that again. The Mavericks could be fine with that if there's a, a young piece in the package too, because the Mavericks aren't going anywhere next year. Yeah, I, I'll say this: if you want, I'm not advocating this on any level. I talked about this the other day on my, I think it was on my podcast. I don't know. And I have not, I have, this is not a, this is a half-baked idea. This is not a fully formed, I've studied the whole league and really mm-hmm. pondered it yet. I'm still, you know, I'm still focusing on the year that happened. I'm not, I haven't moved totally uh, uh, forward yet. But that said, the one crazy move I could sort of imagine is you call up Miami and say, look, I know Hassan Whiteside was a big pain in the butt this year. And you got, he, he, he owes you, a, you guys owe him a lot of money and you don't want him anymore. I don't know what we think of him either, meaning the Wizards. But we got Gortat, we got Jason Smith, we got uh, you know some filler to make the money work. If you just want to get rid of this dude, we'll take him on. Because I don't know how many teams are going to want to take on to sign Whiteside in general. And you know, look, I mean, he's obviously proven that he can be one of the better centers in the league. He's also proven to be a, a, a potential detriment. So it would be a massive risk, I think. But for the position that the Wizards are in, it's that it, again. I'm not saying can, but it's a type of it's a type of move where maybe you say, well, we're already this deep. There's only so much we can do. Let's go for the upside and hope for the best. And that that's kind of where I think you'd be doing with Boogie Cousins anyway. I don't yeah. think he's, um, you know, I mean, it, it's a big risk for a lot of reasons, both the physical and the mental, I guess. Uh, but you know, with him, it would you know it'd be even more money, and you got the injury. So I don't know. That's the type of thing I think that might be something the Wizards would have to consider taking a riskier move like that. I'm not saying I advocate it. I'm just saying I think that's the type of thing. If they really are trying to compete to really win the East, that's something I think they maybe have to consider. Mm-hmm. And I want to see how many years uh, Hassan has on his contract. So it would just be the 2018-19, and then it would just be two extra years after, after you sign him, and he's guaranteed like $25 million a year. It's it's an option to consider. Um, he yeah, I mean, just because you know players disappointing on one squad doesn't mean he'll mimic that same thing everywhere. As we saw a bit of a resurgence from Dwight Howard, I would say um, 
to a certain extent this year. I feel like we've exhausted a lot about, you know, what moves the, the Wizards can make this offseason. And it, it was truly a pre- pleasure having you back on your old podcast. I hope you enjoy it. Thanks so much for the insight. And and you're right. There's plenty of point, fingers you can point, plenty of, you know, ways you can blame the Wizards for their inability to compete for those Eastern Conference Finals and compete for a championship. But, yeah, there's there's a lot going on. Uh, we'll, we'll keep monitoring it this offseason and, and see what see what goes down. I'm excited for... Uh, the draft camp and kind of the, the prospects that Washington brings in to consider. We've got a couple weeks before that happens, but definitely check out the Sports Capital. Ben's doing a phenomenal job there. You should subscribe if you guys don't already. It's not just Wizards. You got the the Nationals, the Caps, who are still in business, and, and then a lot more coverage on, on the Redskins coming along this way. And Ben, you're going to be covering the Redskins too. You're not just the Wizards guy, right? I do it all, Noah. I do it all for the people. Cool. <laughs> Well, thank you guys for tuning in, um, and thank you, Ben. Have a good night, everyone. Hey, no, really appreciate it, man. Best of luck with everything. Thank you so much for having me back. Thank you. We're floating this fashion show. Pound for pound, anywhere you go. Yo, ain't no city in the world like this. And if you ask how I know, I got to plead the best. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.